Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition of the show, I'm going to be looking back at Arsenal's defeat up at Old Trafford in Manchester against Manchester United. A really difficult one to stomach. And joining me, better late than never, uh, here in the 90 Min studio is Mike Stavrou. Mike, um, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? How was your weekend, first of all? Um... Well, let me just clear something up. Harry's saying that I'm late, but I'm actually doing all the production work. So I don't want people on here saying, Mike, why are you late? Yeah, <laughs> it's just totally unfair. Yeah, it, it um, is totally unfair. How was my week? My weekend was going really well, actually. He's having a really nice time. Went to Ascot on Saturday for the first time. Uh, had, a, had a good yeah, laugh. Old Trafford, I'm sure. Yeah, and so it, was, so it was going really well. But obviously, for a game like this, the whole weekend is geared up to the football, isn't it? especially when it's a huge clash like, like we had. And uh, Sunday morning was good. So I, did, I had a good time. And then the moment the game comes and, and yeah, we all know how that went. But, uh, yeah, kind of ruined my weekend, to be honest, mate. Yeah, same. Um, it ro- ruined my weekend, but it also ruined my Monday as well because mm. I didn't get back from Old Trafford until gone 2 a.m. Yeah. last night. Uh, we had some issues getting home, which wasn't ideal. Um, and then I came into work this morning. We did the Nighty Min show where I was visibly distressed, if you saw it. Yeah. Uh, yep. If you haven't, uh, please do check it out. Make sure you're subscribed to the Nighty Min Football YouTube channel as well, where we tried uh, to break the game down as best as possible. Tried to keep my calm. But this is my platform. I can do whatever I want. Can, mate, I'm yeah. definitely going to be uh, a little bit more forthright here on the Chronicles of Aguna. If I could just ask before we get right into the thick of it, please do leave a like on the video. Please do subscribe to the channel if you are new. Give Mike a follow on socials. His handle is in the description below. And you know what, Mike? Let's let's go over to the comments just quickly. Yeah. Uh, before we dive in, uh, big hello to Moss, who's there. Uh, big hello to Henry, uh, who says, uh, good afternoon, H. Hope you had a good journey home under the circumstances. I thought we were the better team, but we got caught out for their goals. In life, you learn more from disappointment than success. Kyle Turner says, big lesson for the team this game. The top teams will capitalize on every mistake and punish you. Sakaya says, lots of positives to take from yesterday's performance. We move on. Uh, Ryan says, afternoon, Harry. Hopefully we respond well to this defeat. Last season, one defeat became two and then became three. That's a mm, good point mm. to start yeah. because it is frustrating. It is mm. disappointing. I don't think any of us are under the illusion that this is a team that can go unbeaten or a team that are going to mm. even challenge or contest for the Premier League crown. I think that those of us that are, are realistic about what we can expect knew that this was coming at some point and it's you know six games in it's come it's happened yeah it's so important though now isn't it that we bounce back immediately and i think everton at home i don't want to curse our luck here yeah but i think is if not an ideal fixture at certainly one of the ones that would be at the top of your list in terms of hoping to get back on track and get back on track immediately yeah yeah, I mean, look, let's let's see what sort of state we're in when we get there first because, you know, we've got the Europa League fixture in midweek um, and also we've got a few injury concerns, haven't we? So, you know, I, I want to see us back in, in really tip-top shape and I think, uh, just to touch on Everton slightly, I think the, the, the Europa League is going to be a blessing for us because last season what we really struggled with only being in um, in domestic competition was our reserve players, backup players weren't sharp. They weren't sharp enough. They were having to come off the bench and make an impact and that is really difficult to do. Um, and because you, you train a week and you, you prepare for the match. So, you know, most of them, because we kept a pretty similar starting 11 across the whole season, most of them were preparing a week with no match and maybe 10, 15 minutes here, here or there, you know, played in the cups, but we went out early in both of them. I think in the, in the same sort of you know. Well, we went out early weeks. in the FA. We went far in the in the Carabao. Yeah, sorry, we we went out in the same sort of period of time. Yeah. I mean, it was within like a two weeks of each other, mm. wasn't it? So yeah, I think uh, the Europa League will provide an opportunity for um, players who are not really getting opportunity. Fabio Vieira, who I think looked quite promising when he came on that diagonal ball that he played um, over the top of the. Um, defense, Man United defense was pretty pretty sharp. He looks quite good. So yeah, I think that's that's a positive. Um, and yeah, I mean, bounce back ability is the is the key thing, isn't it? It's um, seeing how we react to defeat and uh, 
for me, like my overriding feeling is just one of disappointment. It's not one of anger. It's not one of apathy because that game, I, I think we played well. And there's not many times where you can say you know, you've gone to Old Trafford and played well. I think that when we won there two seasons ago, we didn't really play well. We just played, you know, to do everything we could to, to nick a win. And, and we managed to do that. We didn't dominate them. Um, we just sort of took our chances and that's what we didn't do yesterday. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we'll get into it in a little bit more detail in just a moment. Just want to take a few more of your comments at the start and then we'll come back to them towards the end of the show. Nav says, uh, it was great meeting you last Friday, Harry. Yep, great to meet you as well, mate. Um, those of you that came down to the Gunas versus Cancer live show, uh, thank you so much. It's a great cause. Um, and uh, congratulations to Mike as well for putting together a fantastic event. He's honestly uh, such a legend brilliant work from him and, and thank you to everyone that came of course and donated uh, the man cave podcast on youtube says let's see how harry's ultra positivity works with his talk sport job agenda to keep uh, honestly it, it never ceases to amaze me how many people want to pretend that my opinion is something artificial um for my agenda talk sport job agenda that's that's an interesting one because i think a lot of the comments about talk sport is how they're overly ne negative and, sometimes yeah so and why would it be an ultra positive via talk sport yeah, agenda why, why interesting I, why would i be called in and i have been for the last year and a half or whatever it's been so yeah anyways uh we'll move on from that big hello uh to the stilton avenger to cream bone um what's up, Greenbow? what's up trevor that's it the main man mr trev um and to everybody else uh, in the chat uh, gangle miklos joins us from hungary as well fantastic lovely part of the world okay look, let's get into the, the big controversial event in the first half, the VAR call, yeah. the decision to rule out Gabriel Martinelli's goal, which he took brilliantly, by the way. Mm -hmm. The through pass, I think it was from Lokonga, yeah. was fantastic. Martinelli got there, he held off the challenge of the defender and he dispatched it brilliantly. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you, first of all, is it a foul? Let's, let's, let's clear that bit up first. For me... It's very close and it will be considered a soft foul, but for me it is a foul. I just think the sort of angle of the tackle, um, the fact that he doesn't really get the ball, um, but mostly the, the angle that he comes in, I think you're, you're in trouble. When you're going shoulder to shoulder and you use, I'm not going to say excessive force, but you use force, you can sort of get away with it because, you know, ultimately that's a battle of strength. When you come in from slightly behind, I think you're, I think you're, putting yourself in a bit of trouble um so in, in my mind like if i'm looking at it from a from what i want to see from football and what i think the directive has been from the premier league in that you know you should let challenges like that go i don't think it should be a foul but you know by the 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 laws of the game as it were and what sort of you know how fouls have been given i think it, it probably is but it's harsh okay so Given how long it took Paul Tierney at the monitor yeah. to make the decision, is it was it a clear and obvious mistake to let the play continue? Well, no, because that, that's the whole thing. Like we're, we're talking about, is it is it a foul? Is it not? That already means that it's debatable, right? And the fact that he did look look at it so long makes me think that. So I think originally when he gives a decision, obviously I don't think he thinks it is a foul. Obviously not. Um, but then when he goes to look at it. Already, he's got in the in the in the back of his mind. Um, you know, the the VAR sent me here for a reason to look for something that should be a foul. So he's already got that in in the back of his mind. And the fact that he looks over it for so long, what I think he's doing is trying to find any minute detail or something, some law or whatever, or some tiny description of the law to be able to to give it as a foul and I think that that's what he's done I think also it shouldn't really come into play but I do think the the, the occasion the atmosphere um as you were making the point on 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 the gas tank saying that you know he's he's a ref from Salford I'm I'm not sure that comes into it I think more the sort of yeah being being at Old Trafford and having to basically overturn uh overturn a goal that's going to be in favour of the home crowd I think that plays into it so you, you mentioned that I said about Paul Tierney and the fact that he's from the local area um, yeah. on the 90 min show to, so yeah. to clear up what I said is is basically that and and again you know I think you can make a case that it is a foul 
I think it probably is a foul. I think if you flip the roles around, uh, if that goal went in against us, I'd be livid at the way that, that Manchester United have won the ball back. That's how I would look at it. Okay, but my problem here is that in appointing Paul Tierney as the referee of this match, somebody that everybody in their dog knows is from the local area, yeah. regardless of who he supports, I've seen some people say, well, he's not a Man United supporter. How did it? That's, that's not the point here. As the PGMOL, it is irresponsible to appoint somebody as a referee who can even be considered to have a conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that's the way I look at it. You don't put him in that position. You immediately avoid half of the controversy that was, that, that was a as a result of that decision. And you eliminate that narrative going into the game and you make everybody's life a lot easier. So that's number one. That's the big problem. The second issue I've got is last weekend, there's Mikel Arteta, or sorry, last week on Wednesday when we played Villa, as Mikel Arteta rightly pointed out in his press conference, we were told that the directive in the Premier League this season is to let more go, is to try and allow the game to flow and that the, the threshold of physicality that would be allowed would be lifted higher so that we'd get a more free-flowing game and it would stop impacting the product that is the Premier League. Then we've seen an entire weekend of decisions where the, the physicality has been minimal mm -hmm. and all of those decisions have been ridiculous and ultimately impacted the games. So you've got Newcastle, who had a goal, in my opinion, ruled out unfairly. Mm -hmm. You had West Ham, who had a goal, in my opinion, ruled out unfairly. Yeah. Arsenal's one is not unfair. I think, actually, when I calmed down, when I came out the ground, when I saw the replay, I thought, I can see why you've given that as a foul. But it's the lack of consistency applied across the board mm -hmm. that is a major, major problem. And in these games between the so-called big six, you often find that the first goal is incredibly important. Sets the tone for the game at the time Arsenal was so on top of Manchester United. And in the end, we were unlucky that it didn't go our way. Okay, but overall, the standard of officiating is in the bin. Yep. It is shit. It is poor. It is awful. It is crap. Mm -hmm. And unless something is done about it, this league is no longer going to be the best league in world football. Because there will come a point where people will turn off. I've yep. been at this point before with the Premier League where I've... You know, I've, I've still followed and watched and observed Arsenal, of course, but I've been like, well, I'm not going to bother spending my Sunday afternoon watching Super Sunday to watch football matches that will be, the, the, the outcome will be dictated based on what side of the bed the referee gets up on. Yeah, I can't have this. I, I can't accept that these are elite level referees. I can't accept when people make excuses for them. If I went to work every day and made mistakes, I would be sacked. Same for you, same for everybody. In every walk of life, if you get shit wrong, you don't keep your job. Yeah. And I don't care how much pressure they're under. Pay them to compensate for that pressure. Yeah. They do get paid a decent wage. Yeah. You know, it, it, to me, it's just, it's so unacceptable and it's not getting any better. And for me, more than the goal decision, you know, there were so many other inconsistencies in the way he was applying the laws yesterday. You know, Scott McTominay, needs to pretty much commit GBH before anybody will even consider... Threw Martinelli off the pitch. Yeah, I, I mean, nobody will even consider booking him until yeah. he really does cross the line. And we see yeah. this every week with Scott McTominay. Yeah, do you know, do you know what I found interesting about... I'm, I'm going to touch on the officiating in a minute, but yeah. do you know what I found interesting? Uh, on, on the commentary, Gary Neville was, uh, was... He gave one of his typical... Oh, did he get on his soapbox? Ooh, um, so, what, so what the incident was, I, I don't know if you would have seen it, but you might have watched it. There's a tackle from from Lokonga on on Bruno Fernandez, where he basically wins the ball with his left foot, but with his right foot he like basically like skims the the calf of Bruno Fernandez. Fernandez mm. obviously goes down, writhing in pain, as, as he does, as he so often does. Um, and and Neville's given it the big the big all, but you know why is there a why is there a double standard there? Like it's, look, for number one, Lokonga's clearly won the ball. Number two, the the contact is clearly not intentional, and I from from like Neville literally said on commentary that's the sort of tackle that could be a leg breaker. It it wasn't, it wasn't. It was just one of those collisions where he's obviously not meant to do it. 
And I just found it so bizarre that that he can sort of make comments like that. But when it's the other way, like there was there was tackles from from McTominay when he when he basically threw uh, Martinelli off the pitch. There was there was that tackle early on from from Martinez on on Jesus. That that was another one. And there's so many like they top up and up and up. Varane as well. He pulled down. Um, Gabriel Marti- um sorry Gabriel Jesus very early on and he didn't get a yellow so like what what is literally going on and the funny thing for me about VAR well it's not funny actually it's quite it's quite depressing but um some of the decisions over the weekend the on-field referee got it right like the 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 foul on uh, on on Ericsson not a f- could could be a foul I don't know it's one of them ones but you know I think I don't think anyone really really would have kicked up much of a fuss like outside of United fans in the ground if it would have been given. Yeah. And then um the one against against uh, West Ham against Chelsea the referee didn't give that. So the VAR is actually making things worse. And the whole point we brought it in was was to aid and assist and to not get involved too often. Why is it getting involved too often? Like people would just say, you know, it's not the technology, it's the it's the officials and to a point that is correct because I don't think some of these officials especially in the VAR booth are, are, are good enough really to be to be second guessing the the main official on the pitch who is going to be more experienced most of the time why are they uh, an official who's less experienced second guessing the the guy on the pitch who more often than not has seen it if the referee's not seen it it's an off the ball incident fair enough VAR get involved but why is it getting involved and making things worse? That's what I don't understand. Because they will argue that they're they're getting involved in decisions that lead to goals, which means that they're they're within their their remit of things that they're allowed to mm. look at. And I get that, but I just think it's the standard of the officiating. Like it doesn't matter who you put in that VAR booth. If they're not good enough to be a referee on the pitch, then they're definitely not good enough to sit there and, you know, go with the replays. Yeah, but like, if it's if if it's a debatable decision, Harry, you know I'm not going to. Yeah, but go, so many. Yeah, but right. Do, there's do, debatable. Do you know what I mean? There's it's, debatable, so debatable, and there's being pedantic and nitpicking, and that's what we've got now. Yeah, we're not talking about things where, like, for me, if you want to say that Odegaard's challenge on Ericsson is a foul, I'm not going to massively argue yeah. with that because he does make contact with him. He mm. does come from behind him, and he doesn't yeah. get the ball. Yeah. Okay, so you can say that that is, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's not a debatable decision. Yeah. But it's the problem that it doesn't line up with what else we've seen. Earlier in the day, there was a challenge from Yuri Tielemans on a Brighton player, mm-hmm. which led to a Leicester City yeah. goal that was equally as physical. Yeah. And again, he made no contact with the ball. So my problem is not the decision as mm-hmm. such. It's that you can't. You know, you, you can't apply the law in some cases and not in others. And it's the PGMOL's responsibility to make sure that those laws are applied as consistently as possible across the game and across the league. And they're not doing that. They're failing to do that. And then to top it off, you know, it's, it's, it's the little things for me. McTominay goes around the pitch kicking people, barging into people, pushing people off the side of the pitch. When we all know at Old Trafford that the pitch dips and you can go off and hurt yourself. He gets away with it all day. You mentioned yeah. Lissandro Martinez pulls down Gabriel Jesus after he's lost possession in a dangerous area right at the start of the game. Not a card. Yeah. Lukonga makes one challenge. Saliba makes one yeah. challenge. Just straight in the book. Yeah. Straight in the book. And that, for me, yeah. is where it's really, really frustrating. But, you know, we could talk all day about VAR yeah. and the referees and how bad they are. We all know that it's terrible. But I want to focus a little bit more on the Arsenal performance, which overall... I thought was was really really good mm. and really strong. Yeah, I mean, for me, like United have been getting a, lo- a lot of praise over the last twenty four hours, um, and I said this on, on the preview show. I said just looking at that United team, like there's nothing special about them. You look at the you look at the talent that they have, right? Players like like Anthony, players like um, Bruno Fernandez and Rafael Varane, World Cup winner, and you know there's there's talent all over the pitch. But the way that they play football is a joke. Like, Eric Ten Hag, I understand that he's not going to change things overnight, but he came, you know, almost with a promise of bringing Ajax's famed total football. What they're playing is mid-table, if not relegation. It's Mourinho. Relegation tactic. If they wanted to shithouse themselves to victories, they 
they didn't need to bring in Eric Ten Hag or spend eighty-five million pound on a wing. Put put ten men behind the ball and and play on the counter attack. That's that's essentially what they do. Um, and we we dominated them. We absolutely dominated them. I thought we would we were in the ascendancy for, for most of the game, apart from maybe the first ten fifteen minutes. Um, you know, we were really sharp. Um, we spoke about this earlier, but the the out ball from Ramsdale to to White, I must have seen that about ten fifteen times. And it's not an easy pass and it's not an easy control at Old Trafford when, when the pressure's on. And they were doing it when we were losing as well. Like to have that confidence in your own ability and to have that confidence in an in instruction that the manager's clearly given you to do, to you says a lot. The other thing as well, I know we'll go and talk about where he was poor, but um, I, I was talking to someone about Lakonga and I thought off the ball there was there was issues, right? But on the ball... For a 22-year-old at Old Trafford in the sort of lion's den, I thought he was unbelievable. So confident, like some of the touches he was taking, the, the balls he, he was spraying around. He's, he's such a talented player. And I think we all thought, we're all a bit nervous talking before, before the game about that defensive midfield. And I think at times we did get exposed and, and that was obvious. But on the ball, I thought he was, he was really, really confident. And I, I think that's going to be a big learning curve for him. Um, there's definitely things that, that he can improve and I'm sure we'll chat about that but um, all over the pitch I think there was good performances but you can be as dominant as you want if you don't create clear-cut opportunities that's gonna I, I read something earlier that said we had a, like over 40 touches in, in the box but like uh, only two shots on target that's not good enough and um, I think we were overcomplicating it sometimes just just pull the trigger and shoot honestly sometimes just just let it fly because De Gea is a good shot stopper but He's not going to save everything, you know, and that that was the frustrating part. Yeah, I mean, j- just looking at the stats, sixty-one percent of the possession, which at Old Trafford is, would have been unthinkable once yeah. upon a time. You know, sixteen efforts at goal, only three of which were on target yeah. in the entire game. That's the not problem good. there: a lack of efficiency in the opponent's box, which Mikel Arteta highlighted, but also. You know, the fact that our opponent on the day was so incredibly efficient mm. as, as it ultimately killed us. Um, let's just go over to the chat quickly because we've got a super chat donation from uh, Gunner Down Under. Thank you so, so much. Really appreciate it. He says, our inability to finish our chances was going to catch up with us eventually. It's been clear in the last five games we struggle to put teams to bed. United created less but more fruitful chances. I mean, the chances that they did create were, were brilliant chances and they yeah. were taken expertly. Anthony's goal... Uh, you know, he couldn't really miss. I didn't think from there he was always going to hit the target. I've seen some people claim that maybe Ramsdale should have saved it. I think that's harsh from that distance. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Rashford took his first goal brilliantly. And the second one was a tap-in after some great work. There was a uh, deflection the on that on that Rashford, um, his first goal, their second goal. Mm. Ben White tried his best. I think on, on another day, he makes a block there. And for the third goal, as well, he wasn't that far away. Um, but... You know, I think when it's going for you, it's going for you, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think with the second one, more so than the third, because we'll talk about this in a minute, but Mikel Arteta made some changes to the shape, to the formation. I think that ultimately partly contributed, basically, to that third goal being conceded. Oh, you're admitting it now? No, no, no. I, no, I, I, I admit that it, was, it contributed in some way, yeah. but I just... I'm wary of going in too hard on the manager when ultimately all he was trying to do was get an equaliser at Old Trafford. But that, that's because you're on the payroll of Arsenal, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Shit. You're on to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just... Let's let's take it back to Lukonga because yeah. I think his performance overall was positive mm. apart from one moment in the second half where I thought he was so naive when he gave the ball away and then Manchester United built up... Yeah. Yeah. to the second goal but also as well when I watched it back again this morning why is Ben White from right back the one that has to come across he has to come across Saliba to deal with to try and cut yeah. out Marcus now I get that yeah. defenders cover each other and all that but I don't know man I, I just think on the one hand you can talk about high lines and the risk that high lines bring you mm-hmm. and I said to you on the preview show and I said here on the 90 Min show that my big fear of Man United was that it would actually suit them for us to come onto them and leave those spaces in behind because of the likes of Rashford, Martial, who I wasn't sure if he was going to be fit at the time. And they exposed us with with Rashford's pace. But the, the very reason we dominated the game was because we played that way. 
So you kind of have to take the rough with the smooth. Yeah. You have to accept that if you're going to play that way, you will control the game. Yeah. But you run that risk of being caught on the transition. And I think over the course of the last 18 months, we've benefited far more from that approach than we have suffered for it. Yeah. So I, I don't want to go, like, we will go to grounds, play much worse and win. I don't want to be too critical of the setup because I think it's what we knew was coming. Mm. It's the way we've been asked to play this season. It's yeah. been effective in five out of five, but it wasn't effective this weekend in the end. And it so could have been if, as you say, we were more efficient and more clinical in and around the box. And, yeah, I mean, look, you're right. And just looking at the second goal, I don't know why Lokonga was that far up the pitch either. I think he was pressing um, and, and he's the one that got caught out. And then his decision to, to go and press ultimately left us in a bit of a pickle because Gabriel then had to overcommit and then slide in. And then what happened, it was just a chain reaction of awful decisions. Gabriel yeah. should have stayed on his feet. And then after that, the ref gives the advantage. They don't react. It takes them about half a second to react. And by that time, United have already got three players over. Yeah. And then Zinchenko is not quick enough. to. He's closing down the space that Gabriel has left rather than closing, staying on his man, Anthony. And it was just a calamity of errors. But the reason that that happened is because we were, we were bare in, in the middle of the pitch. Gabriel Martinelli as well, I've got to be honest, I, looked at, I watched it back and he was jogging back. I don't know why that was, but overall, I think it was poor defensively. But as you say, when you choose to go for that approach, you do take the risk that you're going to leave gaps. But ultimately, it's it's about the it's about how quickly we can either counter press or completely drop back into position. And it just so happens that the team that we played, they are brilliant in transition. It's frustrating as well because one of the things I thought in the early weeks of the season when watching the team was that even when we did mess up the ability to get everybody back behind the ball and in shape very quickly mm. was something I was impressed by yeah and it just didn't happen quick enough and as you say with the first goal there was that challenge from Gabriel what's going on advantage yeah. everybody kind of then takes that split second to react and that's ultimately made the difference but yeah I mean we go back to Lekonga just quickly where the hell was he? Yeah. Because he's not even in... Know. When you watch it back, he's not yeah. even in the picture. Yeah, sorry, the first goal. I meant yeah. the second goal. When, yeah. when you watch that back, he's not even in the picture. Yeah. Um, and the second goal, there's just too much room in the midfield. And it don't matter who you are as a centre-half. It don't matter how good you are. No. If somebody puts you in a flat-out foot race with Marcus Rashford, the chances are you're going to lose. Uh, yeah. I think, I think Saliba was... You know, I think his he's, um, lack of experience showed in that situation because... With, with the second goal, when the through ball was played, he kind of hesitated a bit and he didn't know whether to drop or to try yeah. and intercept the ball. Um, but, you know, he's he's young, he's he's going to learn. But ultimately, he wasn't helped by by the players in front of him. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I, I do think one area where we might slightly be lacking is a bit of pace in defence. I think Ben White is not, is not the fastest. I think Saliba probably out of all of them is is the one that can play that sort of sweeper role because he, he is quicker. Gabriel is not the fastest. Alexander Zinchenko is not the fastest. And you, if, if we're comparing systems and how we want to play sort of all that attack, we're, we're comparing it to Man City because I think we're basing our sort of style and philosophy off that. They've got the likes of Cole Walker, who's rapid, Jao Cancelo, who's who's pretty fast. And I think that's the that's the ultimate difference. You don't have them players with recovery pace when you're pushed so high up. See, I, I do I, I do think that they've got enough pace within the ranks, certainly at centre back. I don't know about Ben White and I don't know about Zinchenko, but I certainly think Saliba and Gabriel have enough of it to get by most of the time. Mm. But the problem is when you've got somebody who can play a beautiful through ball like that. Yeah and you don't have the cover, it makes it really, really difficult. Because as, you know, as a centre-back, so for example, if you're Saliba, you've got to stay with him. If you're Ben White, you've got to make the covering run. But yeah. the covering run from right back is a big distance to yeah. get across. Yeah. And, and you're not running against somebody who runs in treacle. You know? You're running no. against Marcus Rashford, and it's really, really difficult. I just think it was a little bit naive and, you know, we'll come on to talk about the substitutions in a minute because obviously that's been a contentious subject among Arsenal fans mm. since the game. But for me, th the second goal was the one that really pissed me off. It was the one that just, I, I wanted, like, I felt like my head was going to explode. I was so annoyed because 
we just got back on level terms, right? You, you're away from home at Old Trafford. You've had a goal ruled out. It's not your day. You haven't got the rub of the green, but you find an equaliser. And in my head, I'm thinking, right, let's tighten it up a little bit. Let's be mature about this. Mm-hmm. Let's accept that we've come from a losing position at Old Trafford. Let's get out of there with a point. I promise you, I swear to God, you would not have heard me complaining if Arsenal shut up shop after that and left with a draw. You would never have heard me say, why didn't we go and win it? You'd have never heard me say the manager was a coward. Why didn't he try and get all three points? I would never have said that because I understood and repeatedly said on this show that regardless of their form, regardless of how they've started the season, going away to Old Trafford for Arsenal is never easy. Mm. You go there, you get the point, you get out of there, you continue your unbeaten run and and happy days as far as I was concerned. And I remember like, because I was obviously in the ground, the kind of the feeling among the Arsenal fans was was like once we equalised was we got to win this now mm. come on let's do it and I get that right you're yeah. going to will your team on you want them to win but then you need to concentrate for a bit you need to make sure that you don't do anything stupid and for me to then get caught that high up the pitch again for the second goal is unforgivable that's the naivety that this team has to get past yeah. if they're going to achieve anything because at this moment in time. It, it's on show all too often. And, you know, you get a draw at Old Trafford, great, man. You take it away and you continue the unbeaten run. And instead, we almost got sucked into believing our own hype. Mm. And that comes from Mikel Arteta as well. Yeah. Because the message he is constantly putting across from the sidelines is go and win it, go and win it, go and win it. Mm. And I get that. But you do that when you're Man City. You do that when you're Liverpool in their pomp. You do that when you're very elite. And we are not very elite yet. You know, we've progressed and we've got better and we are moving forward. But Mikel Arteta as a manager in that, in, in that situation for me has shown himself to be naive. And I think his players have shown themselves to be naive as well. And that's a lesson that you have to learn quickly in modern football. And if you don't, you're going to get left behind. But you say that's instruction from the manager. And, it, you know, I was, I was listening to his comments after the game and he, he was saying, you know, we were the better team. We should have won, essentially. And so when you do claw it back to, to 1-1, I can understand how he would push his, his players on. But I'm with you. I agree. And I said before the game, I would take a, a draw because this is, this is a game that's all wrong for us, isn't it? Because we, we probably knew we were going to dominate the ball, but we knew we'd be susceptible. And, and this there is probably team. isn't a better team in the league. Yeah. In that. Or, or Spurs. Yeah, them, yeah, yeah. Like we've been punished against Spurs. We've been punished against against United because they they do that counter attacking football. But that's all they can do. Like if 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 it was at one one and and we did what you said and and sat a bit back and just just took our chances, bided our time and played them at, at their own game, they would have no hope in hell of breaking us down. They wouldn't because I think when when we do play that defensive shape, I think we are. Fairly solid. That I think the get the goals we conceded this season mostly have been from individual errors. But I think as a collective, I think we're pretty strong. So I think if we just would have sat back a little bit for five minutes, because I think we scored in the sixtieth minute and conceded in the sixty sixth. So from from a position where you know we'd had a goal ruled out, so we probably felt like we we should have been winning that game. To then having the sucker punch of of, of going a goal behind to get back to one one is an achievement in itself, and we didn't take full advantage of the position that we'd put ourselves in and even if they just sort of as you said like shut up shop for five minutes and felt our way back back into the game and got a bit of control because you know when you're when you're you know sitting back a little bit it doesn't mean that you just give away the ball and defend deep and and sit and camp outside your your 18 yard box you just slow the game down a bit have a bit of possession don't go full fire forward and that's that's what we did and as you say naivety and I think what sort of you know makes the naivety hit home even more was the the substitutions. I think that was a an act of you know I don't want to say arrogance, but it's it's almost like you know Arteta was saying we're the better team. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Nerd Wallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night 
and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. If we, fl- if we throw more players on, we're going to win this game. But he didn't consider, and I don't know how you can consider the, the holes that that would create, number one, in, in defense, and, how the, and, and the instability that would create. Because I think that one of the most important things when we changed the whole, well, I think it was four subs or, uh, or three subs at once and then one sub previously, slightly previously, I think Ben White. Uh, no, it was a bit after. Oh, it, it was, was a bit after, sorry. yeah, yeah. But anyway, the, 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 anyway, those three subs just changed how we attacked. So we even lost that potency in attack. So even though we threw on attacking players, we weren't as good going forward. The, the problem is with the substitutions, right? So here's where I've got some sympathy for the manager. You've got to remember that the substitutions came after we conceded the second goal. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just kind of putting myself, if I'm in Mikel Arteta's position, what are my emotions at that point? So I've come to Old Trafford. I've set my team up nearly perfectly. We've dominated, controlled the game. We've had a goal ruled out that we feel was harsh. We've then gone behind to a sucker punch. We found a way back into the game and you think happy days. And moments later, we've switched off again. If I'm Mikel Arteta, I'm thinking I have to get something out of this game. I absolutely have to get something to take back because we've come here, we've played well. This is our first test of the season, as people Mm. were calling it. And the narrative around Arsenal changes, not amongst us, not among Arsenal fans. Okay, we know what our level is. Most of us are educated enough to understand and knowledgeable enough about our team to know where we're at. We don't think we're title contenders. We think that we are top four contenders. And... You know, Mikel Arteta was probably fearful of the backlash of Arsenal losing, was fearful of how he was going to go into the dressing room and try and lift the group who would have lost the game that they really didn't deserve to lose. And I think he was desperately, desperately trying to find a way back into the game. And he made those changes. Also, the other thing you've got to bear in mind is that the players that came off, some of which were injury doubts going in, we're running out of steam. They were running out of gas. But I agree with you in that he probably shouldn't have changed the system. He changed it to a back three, which is something he did against Villa. And he got away with it against Villa. Against the lesser teams, you will, you will pull it off. But to change the system when the system was winning, okay, not in terms of the scoreline, but in terms of the battle of the two, who was controlling the game, mm. was weird. Yeah. It was strange. It was an yeah. act of desperation. It was a final roll of the dice. And that's where I, I agree with you that a more experienced, more savvy coach may have gone, I can change personnel, mm. but we're still dominating. Them. Yeah, The system still yeah. works. The system is still winning. And so I'm not going to change that. Smith Rowe could have come on and played in the midfield. Odegaard could have been replaced by Fabio Vieira in the same role. No problem. So, yeah, it it didn't make sense to to change the system. But I don't know that I would go as far as saying that Mikel Arteta cost us the game because then we conceded the third and then it was game over and it was lights out. I think it did cost us. And I'll I'll tell you why. So are you saying that we would have scored a second equaliser? We'd already got our way back into the game. But as you said earlier, the chances we were creating yeah. were not particularly... I mean, Odegaard had a good chance in the second half. Yeah. Saka had a chance. He whipped across the goal from a difficult angle. Yeah. But there wasn't anything like clear, clear cut. Like We weren't creating those no. situations with any real regularity. Not enough for me to say we'd have 100% equalised. No, but then, but then I think we were still getting in dangerous positions and it was just that finishing touch. I think what, what I what I personally would have done is not not taken off Zinchenko. I think Zinchenko take, uh, came off in Ketia. Is that, is that right? Or that I was, can't remember that, who was that, exactly that was sort of for who. But, but anyway. So what, the, free, the free changes were, um, at the time, I'll tell you exactly. Yeah. So yeah, Zinchenko. But that's just on the ball. Yeah, I right? know. That's just I what know. It's, 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 it's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, Zin- Zinchenko came off, and and it, Inketia came on, and then um, it was Lukonga, Vieira, for, for Vieira, and Odegaard for Smith Rowe. Odegaard for Smith Rowe. So so two of those I I kind of agree with, but 
what I would have done is stuck to the system because I think we'd already got ourselves back in back into the game. We were controlling possession, and I think if you would have made made light for light changes and kept us a, a little bit more solid in the middle of the pitch, we might not have scored, but we would have been we would have been a bit less susceptible to another counter because we'd already, you know, been been weak against counter attack, and we we made ourselves even weaker because we took off Lukonga. And we brought on an, an, an attacking midfielder. If we would have brought on Tierney for, for Zinchenko and stuck to that same formation, um, and then taken off Odegaard for Smith Rowe, and then maybe taken off another att attacker for Enketia, I just thought we would have, we would have had a bit more solidity, and we would have, you know, maybe would have nicked a goal. But we, I don't think we would have gone three-one down as, as quickly as we did. So I think it, it was a costly decision. I, I understand why why he made it because he thought. As you say, things have already gone against us in this game. We need something, something to spring us in, into life. And Inketia on paper probably wasn't a, a, a bad sub for a for a, a defender or whether it's sacrificing a defender. But then it was, as you say, the system. Basically, Martinelli playing at wing back that didn't help us for the third goal. There was certain things in certain areas that didn't help. And Granite Xhaka was basically playing as a, as a lone midfielder, as, as he's not done for a long time. I think he should have been in there. Lukonga should have stayed on, and you could have had them two in front, just shielding a bit more to give us a bit more of a chance. So I think it just it, it changed the game. Do I think the outcome would have been different if we would have made the changes I said? I don't know, but I think it would have slightly given us a better chance. Possibly. Who Possibly. Knows? Who knows? I'm not a manager. So. Possibly. <laughs> there you go. Um, another kind donation from Gunner Down Under. When we equalised, we didn't take time to manage the atmosphere. They scored by us over committing with forward players. Then we equalised and fell into the same trap rather than holding our position deeper. At 1-1, it forces them to come at us. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I don't think there was... Um, I don't think that there was, you know, any need to be overcommittal and there was certainly no need to be naive. Uh, Steve Stone says, question, did we get relegated just today? You'd think so, wouldn't you, given some of the responses yeah. to it? But yeah. look, at the end of the day, there are loads and loads of positives. Let's let's yeah. take some positives. Yeah. Let's talk some positives and then we'll go over to the live comments to kind of wrap up the show. Um, we're top of the league. You know, we've we've lost one game. You know, we're, we're not the only the only only two sorry unbeaten sides in the Premier League are City and Tottenham but they've both drawn twice we've won five lost one 15 points from the first six games <laughs> you couldn't have really asked for you'd more you'd take that. that yeah you'd, you'd absolutely take, take that you'd, you'd absolutely take that, take that. and um, and you know we we have to make sure that we don't get caught up in this now we play against an Everton side who are 16th in the league at the moment at Emirates Stadium next Sunday, and it's a game that I expect us to win. And if you do that, if you get the three points there, this can be put to one side very quickly. Yeah. That's what it's about. I kept saying this last season, and unfortunately we weren't able to do it. You can't allow these things to turn into rots. Mm -hmm. They can't carry on for t a period of time. You have to bounce back quickly, and if you do that, you stand a very good chance of finishing where you want to finish come the end of the season. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't left a like on the video, please do so, because there's nowhere near enough likes right now to um, to justify, or yeah, I lost my trail of thought. Based on the number of people watching, there's not enough likes on the board. So what are you doing? Hit the like button, smash subscribe if you are new. Yes, smash it, as Mike says. Don't smash your computers or your phones, but you know <laughs> what we mean. Um, right, positives. Yeah. For me, the way we controlled the game... Mm. Some of the patterns of play I thought mm -hmm. were brilliant. Gabriel Jesus, for me, was outstanding. He gave the Manchester United centre-halves a nightmare. He was physical. He was committed. He was uh, mobile. He was good with the ball at his feet. He would spin away from people. I just thought he was superb. So he was a big positive for me. I thought Ben White had a really good game as well. Um, playing on the right-hand side. There have been question marks around whether he's suited to that right-back position. I thought he'd done a good job. I thought Sambi Lakonga, barring a couple of moments, was good. Mm. Mature. Again, apart from those two moments. But hopefully he'll learn from that and he'll take it on. Um, and yeah, I just think the overall performance was something to be positive about. And if you, as I said earlier on, if you play like that, more often than not, you'll win football yeah. matches. 
So we've kind of got to find this balance now between playing our game, playing the style that we want, imposing ourselves on teams, but also knowing and understanding when we need to say or admit or be a little bit more humble and a little bit more honest about where we're at and say, okay, well, we do have to adapt. So let me me ask you this then, because for me, we've got Spurs coming up in in a few weeks and it's away, right? So that's at home, isn't it? is it at home? I th- I thought it was away, but Pretty look, sure it's at home. we got yeah. Sorry, you know, you're right. It is at home. It is at home. Mm. But we've got Spurs, who, if if we're honest, are going to play a similar game to to United, and we're at home, so we're expected to be the team that are are in the ascendancy. Given the the game plan that that we played against May United, would you sort of alter anything compared to? Given what we've learned from the game against United, and we think that they're going to play a similar style, yeah. What would you, what, what would you alter? I would alter it. I would take more precautions against being caught on the transition. I'd leave one body back, one more body back. I'd be, uh, I'd play my line five yards deeper than it normally would be. I'd, you know, I'm not saying that you rip up the the, the playbook and, mm. and start again, or, or you dismiss all that's been good, but I'm saying you have to make tweaks. Because for me, when you play against your rivals, when you play against the the big six and the teams that you're directly in competition with, they're not always must-win games. A lot of the time, they do not lose yeah. games. And that's, yeah. that's important. And, you know, I, I fancy us now against the weaker sides to be much more successful in the way that we were last season. You know, there was a few bad results towards the back end of the campaign. That cost us but overall we've been better at dispatching of those sides and the problem has been that we've not been competitive with those around us spurs at home we normally tend to beat them we do but be wary of their threat hmm. at least understand it at the very least respect it that's all i'm saying yeah and i think Mikel arteta has to he has to acknowledge and he has to understand and accept that we can play our game with slight tweaks yeah but you cannot go there Squeeze right up to the halfway line. Like for example, we tried to do that at their place last season. Mm. Completely wrong. Completely wrong. You don't do that there. Yeah. If you do it at the Emirates, I can understand it. Does it, does it worry you there that he's like not tacti- tactically flexible enough? Because what, what I saw yesterday was not having that flexibility. He said, no matter what, I want to go there and win, even when we're 2-1 down and, and, and you know really chasing the game and, and not thinking, as we said earlier, all right, maybe I can get a draw out of this. I don't worry about him being tactically flexible. I think he can be. I think we've seen different systems, different formations. I don't worry about that. What I worry about is him getting caught up in occasions Mm. and not being able to take a step back and say, forget what I want here. What is the smartest plan of attack? What's the best approach here? In the way, you know, over the years, so many times we've looked at elite managers and gone, oh, that's a bit of a negative change. At a time when everybody else watching on was thinking that team could go on and win Mm. the game. That's what great managers do. They understand the situation. They read the situation and they block out the noise. Just because the Emirates is up on its feet and everybody's shouting and screaming and urging the team forward, it doesn't mean as a manager that you have to back down to that and play up to that. You know, you, you for me, he has to acknowledge where we're actually at. Yeah. He has to acknowledge that he has to tweak things. And, and that's my worry with Arteta, mm. that he talks a lot about atmosphere. He gets caught up in atmospheres. He gets caught up in the passion of it all. We saw that with Jurgen Klopp last season, for example. That, for me, is where he needs to improve and make adjustments based on a respect, not a fear. They're two different things for me. I mean, what about you? Are you, are yeah. you worried sort of going into some of those games that we could come unstuck in the same way? Yeah, because I think he wants to play. You know, when you're a top team, you don't really cower to, to, to other teams. And, you know, we're not quite there, but does Mikel Arteta in his own mind think we're there? I think he thinks we're 90, 90% of the way there. Mm. I think he's, he's, he's got the squad that he wants now. You know, he trusts all of the players, really, that, that are in his squad are, are players that he's put faith in. So I think he's thinking, you know, this is the time when, when we go for it. I think in, in previous seasons we saw, you know, he used different systems. He he played five at the back. He, you know, really limited us and we were very rigid in our in, in our attacking play. But I think now he's really just said, you know, just, just let them go. And I think that's the reason why we're not seeing more defensive-minded substitutions and we're not seeing 
us line up in, in midfield in a four two three one anymore. And um it was quite interesting yesterday. I don't know, I don't know what you thought, but I did think there was a bit of a reluctance to, to push Granite Xhaka up so high. And I thought that I didn't really understand the, the reasoning for that because I thought we were still vulnerable um in in defence at times on the counter attack, but we just lacked that extra body in the box. I found him often like hanging back a little bit. And to be honest, he's been quite important for us and attacking wise. If he's not scored, he's he's laid the ball back, got a few assists or been in and around there and been an extra body to try and cause a bit of chaos. Could it have been I think it's probably down to two things. So I think first of all, I don't know how fit Zinchenko was. And I wonder if that played on Xhaka's mind. Yeah. I'm not saying that Mikel Arteta instructed him to to think about it, but I think he is someone that likes to take the responsibility on and maybe felt that he couldn't abandon him mm. as often or as comfortably. The other thing is Sambi Lakonga. I don't think Granit Xhaka thinks twice about vacating that area if Thomas Partey's there. But with Lakonga, there's a bit of a reluctance to mm. do it. And that's why I keep saying that missing Thomas Partey is so big because it's what it does to the players around that position yeah. as well. It's the knock-on effect that it has. You know, I think we're we're reluctant at times to play the ball from the goalkeeper into that midfield position like we do so often with Thomas Partey when it's not him from a fear of Lokonga or Elneny or whoever is not doing the right thing. I don't think that it bodes well for Granit Xhaka. I don't think it mm. allows Martin Odegaard to be as free as he like. I think it has a massive knock-on effect. And so maybe that was part of it as well. Maybe Arteta just said, we're away at Old Trafford, be a bit more reserved. Yeah. Maybe we're not giving him enough credit. Maybe he did try and tweak certain things, yeah. but it certainly wasn't visible. No, and I just think that one of the, the, the reason I mentioned that is because I think, you know, quite a lot of our goals have just come from having that extra number in the box. Before, yeah. in, in previous years, you know, the only player that we've, that we've had pushing that forward, because, you know, when we had Lacazette last season... We didn't. Really, my my Odegaard wasn't really getting into the box. Our, our only real threats were were from the wide players. But now we've got a number nine who who does like to drift around, but he does like to get in the box as well and mm. score those goals. Um, you know, like he did against. Uh, where did he score that that goal? That was that was the re against Villa. Less, the, the, uh, the the rebound goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, a striker who likes to do that, and we like to have our wingers, you know, um, taking on players and driving into the box. And then, and then we have Xhaka going into the box. So it's suddenly you have four players in the box, and that's such a sea change from from when we are, but where we were last year, last season. But I just think um, against United, when we were sort of getting crosses in, but and the defenders were sort of half clearing them, we didn't have that extra body body in the box to 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 bury that that loose ball. And I think that's what really contribute and also I know you asked me to pick out positives but I'm thinking of negative just because I'm thinking of, of of the game and how things went Martin Odegaard being a bit too flashy I think being oh, a, a he, too many touches I love him I love him I adore him but why doesn't he pull the trigger from yeah. time to time for too God's much. sakes it, he gets the ball on the edge of the box and you think you're a number 10 man you're on your stronger foot yeah you got the goal in front of yeah. you. You'd think that he would have a go from time to time. And he just doesn't. He's just not wired no. that way. And it no. it drives me mental. Yeah. That chance he had in the second half as that well was, was probably the best chance we've created. That was an awful finish. He's got to do better there. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's hard, isn't it? Like, you, you talk about sort of getting those extra bodies into the box and, and the way we've benefited from that. I think it almost, you know, last season we talked about a lack of that. And I think it's almost been a bit of an obsession over the summer and at the start of this season to make sure that we flood the box at every opportunity. And yeah, it's good. It helps. It certainly helps. It creates overloads. It gives you people to pick out when the likes of Martinelli or Saka get to the byline and look up. But ultimately, one of the big problems last season was a lack of efficiency in terms of our finishing, in terms of taking the chances. Mm. And maybe we're too focused on getting extra bodies in the box. And not actually looking at the problem that is staring at us right in the face, which is that some of our players miss too many chances. Yeah. Like, and, and that was why I was quite keen to see a Rafinha come in. I accepted as the summer went on that we weren't going we weren't gonna to get that done. And then I thought that the priority switched to midfield for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, we, we just needed that extra player that could yeah. get you 10, 12 we need, goals. Ultimately as well, I think Saka... Um, you know, scored his goal yesterday, but I, but apart from the first five minutes when he was already driving into the box, I think he had another 
performance where he wasn't quite at it. And is that, you know, imagine the the, the difference that um, a Rafinha coming into the team would have had. Because I think when you add quality, you know, players that are on, on the brink of world class, um, when you bring those players in, it raises the level. But mm. now, who's Saka? He's looking behind him and there's Fabio Vieira, who's not really played, but is he seen as more of a number eight than, than a winger? Marquinhos, who's who's completely unproven, there's not that level for for him to push on and say, all right, well, there's someone right behind me waiting yeah, to get I, into my spot. I, I thought Saka was okay yesterday. I thought in the second half he was much more effective overall. Um, I don't know if it's because it was on the side I was sitting and I sort of paid more attention to it or, or could see it up close, but I thought he was okay yesterday. Still not his brilliant best, but better. No. I thought it was better yesterday and better against Villa than he has been in the first few games of the season but I agree he's still not at his, at yeah. his top level which yeah. is frustrating yeah. um, Fabio Vieira came on mm. what a place to make your Arsenal debut by the way Yeah. Um, I thought he looked lively Yeah. some tidy touches nice bits of skill skipped away from people at times clearly has an eye for a pass tried a couple of, of things that just didn't quite come off there was one ball to Martinelli mm. that I thought was was a good idea at least not afraid to shoot either had a couple of cracks at goal I'm quite excited by him. I'm looking forward to seeing him probably in action on Thursday against Zurich. It looks more to me that the more and more, well, the, so I say the more and more I've watched it, I watch him, I've hardly seen him, but when I see him on the pitch, he he doesn't look like a winger to me. Like He really does look like the, the, the Odegaard mould of... Oh, yeah. Of I, I think he is that. I think he is that attacking midfielder. The point I've been making, though, is that I don't know if he'll be thrown in in that position. And I wonder if he'll be asked to play from those wide areas from time to time to get him accustomed to our game, Mm. get him up to the speed and the physicality level of the Premier League, maybe. I think we'll we'll see in the Europa League because he's going to start that game. Yeah. So so would Smith Rowe, wouldn't he? He did pick up an injury, by the way, in the warm-up. Yeah, that's a frustration. Warm down, I beg your pardon. Yeah, that's a frustration. Well, I think even even so, I think the, the, the front three... Will probably well if 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 Smith throws fit, I think he'll play on the left and Kessia mm. uh, up top and either Vieira or Marquinhos from the right. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how we sort of play things. Um, but yeah, he was definitely a positive. I think he was really lively and I said it before, but he kind of does remind me a bit of Bernardo Silva, just the way he's so silky. Yeah, he's very agile. You know, he he's sort of always look. He's, he's just got that bit of flair about him that that I really like, and it's what. It's what is so great about Martin Odegaard is that he's just so inventive, and that's that's what you really want from your sort of main creative force in the team. So something that is going to confuse opponents, like is he going to go left or right? Is he going to chip a little ball through? Is he going to what kind of pass is he going to play? And you're constantly thinking, you know, you don't really know where he's going to go, and it just creates chaos really. And I think that's the sort of mould of player that that he will grow in. And as I'm talking about the Europa League, I, you know. We didn't have it last season, but before I've detested the Europa League because I just think, you know, seeing us against teams that are, I don't you know, enjoy. Not I don't enjoy the, the group stage. I, I no, but I can't get myself up. For you're the group not. You're stage. not excited to see it because of the because of the players that have not got a chance. Yeah. I just I just want to see what they can do. I know that it's at a lower level, but I think we're at that stage now where. We're very much settled on our, on our starting eleven. So what we need to do is create competition. And if you know Inkete goes and bags a, a hat trick, I'm not saying he's going to start, but it raises the confidence level so much. Vieira as well, he's not going to play in the Premier League, raises his confidence level. So when he does come on, you know, and, at Old Trafford, he's going to be that level higher. So that I think that's the reason why I'm excited just to see how they do. I'm excited to see how they fare in match days one, two, three, but I'll probably get bored of it by then. Um, But I do enjoy the Europa League knockout stages. I have done every time we've been in it. And we've been to, what, the semi-final two out of the last three years Mm. we've been in the competition. So, you know, we've got a good chance of winning it and and it would be another route back into the Champions League as well. Um, Look, guys, let's take a few of your questions for the last sort of five, six minutes or so of the show. If you haven't hit the like button, please do. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, what are you waiting for? Also want to say a big thank you to you guys because it popped up on my uh, notifications eight, nine days ago now and I've been meaning to say it and I just, it's just gone over the top of my head because I've been so crazy busy. Uh, But thank you for letting, for helping us get to 5 million views on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel, which is a a really nice milestone uh, to reach. But 
subscribe so you can help us get to the next milestone that we're after which is with regards to subscribers we're nearly at 24k we want to get to 25 by the end of the year so subscribe if you haven't done so already okay uh questions 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 chuck them in the live chat i'll take a few comments uh, while you guys are getting around to that justin says we played good enough to win but we're unlucky to dominate possession against a team like man U shows a lot of promise and potential for this team on to the next one jay sayers says Vieira had more shots in 15 minutes than odegaard did in the whole game um steve stone says saka had a brilliant game he just needs to work on his end product um, Neil says Fabio is more of a 10 slash 8 than a winger. He's only played there three times in his career. Someone's been looking at transfermark.com. Mm. I'm not saying that he is a winger, that I want his future to be on the wing. All I'm saying is you very often see managers when they bring players of that ilk into a side think the best way to bed them in is to play them slightly out of the center where they're not going to have that physicality to contend with where they're going to be given a little bit more freedom and it's a good way of getting people up to speed i think and um, i wouldn't be surprised if we saw that uh what else have we got um alex says maybe it's the setup maybe it's the guest but i really like the show today it really helped to get over the game thank you uh we are in the 90 min studio which is much more fancy than my home one um and when we are here we will do it from here but um it's not always possible but wherever it is i promise you uh we will do it because i like the setup too it's much cooler isn't it yeah definitely fine. maybe we have to get something like this at home let's see get rid of the misses' stuff clear a bit more space <laughs> um deflected mind says harry even in these two years we've seen a lot of unfair calls against us looks like referees can go to any extent to deny us a win can you see us ever winning the league amidst all this bias i've said this in the pot i used to say this when wenger was in charge when we used to talk about the invincibles and the double winning sides i always used to say for arsenal to win the league they had to be so much better than anybody else mm. Because we'd always get these calls against us. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what it is. I genuinely don't know what it is. I, you know, the, the Man United thing, that's always been there for everybody to see. And we're not the only ones that have been victims of that. Um, so Alex Ferguson put the shits up every referee pretty much. And for some reason that has stuck. And there seems to be a real fear in referees to give decisions against them. And I, I'm sorry, people might say that that's unfair. Um but I just feel like, like many grounds, there are certain grounds where you go to and you're just not going to get the decisions. Um, Pat Moyle says Ramsdale needs to improve his positional play when in one-on-one -on -one situations. Do you think he done anything wrong yesterday? Um, for Anthony's goal, what are we talking about? We're talking about for Anthony's. Um, I, I think he's, when he says one-on-one, -on -one, yeah, I'm assuming he means yeah. Anthony's. I'm assuming yeah. he means um, the other one as well. I think for the first one, he guesses and guesses the the wrong way, and you know, it's it's a tough one. What I think he could have done is is made himself a little bit bigger and closed down the ball a bit faster. I think if you're if you get there quicker, obviously you've got a chance to to nick the ball off the opponent. But if you can't do that, you're you're obviously a bigger a bigger target to go around for the for the player. And I think he he could have done that. But at the end of the day, like Anthony's always favourite in that in that position when he collects the ball and given where, where Ramsdale is. So I think it's a bit harsh to, to say, you know, he should have saved that. It always looks worse, doesn't it, when you mm. when you watch it back and back and pro probably analyse. But, you know, goalkeepers got split seconds to, to adjust their bodies and, and to read the game. So I think to sort of criticise him for that is a little bit harsh. But I do think he... I don't know what it is. I think he needs to sharpen up a bit sometimes. I think sometimes he loses concentration... Um, there's been there was some incidents last season where I thought he not only was his positioning poor, but I think he's sort of the way he gets down was was a little bit slow. There was there was a goal against Jota I remember where you can see that he's near post, yeah, 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 which yeah. I thought was quite poor. And there, there was a few others. So I think there's improvements, but look, he's only he's only a young keeper, and I think the the benefits outweigh the the negatives of him, like especially on the ball. I think you know as we were talking about earlier those over the top passes which look easy but they're not he was getting them spot on every time and that is such a huge outlet when you're when you're playing uh at, at old trafford in a tough game you need that to be 
to be good. There, there was one pass where he got it a bit wrong with his left foot. I don't know if you remember that one. Uh, I think that was to Zinchenko, maybe. Put him under a bit of pressure and they had a chance. But then he made up for it with a really good save from Fernandez. So I think there's definite improvements, but I'm not, I'm not unhappy with him. Yeah, I'm not unhappy with him either, but I think there are, as you say, areas in which he just needs to tighten up a little yeah. bit and um, and then sort of work on. I think it's a concentration thing with Ramsdale mm. more than anything else. I always find in the games where he's really involved, he's much more Better. on it. Yeah. And then there's games yeah. where he has large periods where he's not involved. And uh, and I think those are the games in which he struggles mm. and he maybe takes unnecessary risks. I don't know. Um, I will take one more just because we are really pushed for time and someone's going to come in here in a minute and kick us out for another show. Um, Stilton Avenger says, have you heard that Tavares uh, says he's happy in his preferred position in France having scored, <coughs> I beg your pardon, three goals already, wants to leave but could he do a job for us? So let me just clarify exactly what that is because Mike sent me... Yeah. Yeah, um, I, can, I can get it on my go phone. On, get it on yeah. your phone because my yeah. phone is on the other side of the room. But Mike sent me a tweet earlier on, uh, which came uh, from Nuno Tavares. He said, I came to Marseille to finally be able to play in my position. I wanted to have an option to buy, but Arsenal refused. With my agents, we always wanted the purchase option, but Arsenal didn't. So Nuno Tavares making the point that him and his representatives were pushing really hard to try and get that option to buy a clause put in to that loan deal that he's got with Marseille at the moment. He's been great over there, you have to say, but he is playing as a wing-back, which is what he's talking about in terms of position. Yeah. He's not playing as a traditional full-back. Um, and he's not been asked to play in an inverted position, which I think certainly wouldn't have suited him. What do you think about this? Because, I mean, if it isn't going to work, it isn't going to work. But I kind of admire the fact that the club haven't gone okay, that's what you want, we'll grant it. Yeah. He plays well at Marseille, come and make us an offer and make us a good one. But why is he talking about it publicly? I never understand this. Yeah. If players... Um, it happened with Lucas Torreira as well, didn't it, this, this summer? And he, and he came out and said, you know, I wanted to join Fiorentina, um, but there was certain people that didn't really let me. And he, he was like, I really, why are you talking about it publicly? Don't you know that that makes you... Mm. That gives you less chance of, of, of getting the move when you're talking... I just think... You know, you started well, Tavares. So just just carry on, play well, and if you if you earn your move, you'll get it. And if Marseille give us the money, then I'm 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 sure we'll we'll sell him for for a reasonable price because we bought him for what seven eight seven, million. Eight million. Yep. And if if they offer us twenty five thirty million, that's a decent profit. We'll probably take it because, as you say, with the, with the sort of function of of how our left back plays, I don't see him coming in and and, and being a a good fit next season because I think un unless Tierney goes and we're in desperate need of a of a left back I think we'll stick with the two we've got now so I don't know I just 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 stay quiet and do your job why like if you're going to talk talk at, at the end of the season at least don't do yeah, it like I, five six games in I it, agree it doesn't make you. sense I, to me I don't like it really like doesn't that. I don't like things but like it's that. happened before Saliba and, was, yeah. was talking for for his whole loan spell and and how constantly. how often do these players end up having to come back to that club at least yeah. for a period of time yeah. until their future is sorted and they just end up looking stupid yeah. so I agree with you he shouldn't be talking but this insistence on Arsenal's part to make sure that they got it their way is a good thing because it's yeah. part of the process of removing that mug tattoo that we seem to have yeah. across our foreheads. Anyway, look, we've been going for nearly an hour and 10 now. Uh, so a big thank you to everybody for joining us, for sticking with us, for watching or listening to the show. Make sure you leave a like on the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. There was plenty to dissect today. And I think... We got through most of it, but over the course of the week, we'll be, I'm sure, discussing some of the other bits and pieces. Uh, let me know if you fancy a watch-along for Arsenal's game against Zurich uh, on Thursday, because if I can do it, I will, only if you guys want it, though. Um, so, yeah, please keep me posted on that in the comments. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back very, very soon with more. Mike's going to make his way back across the room and uh, end the stream, because we, uh, yeah, we haven't got the... Uh, the hang of how to do it without someone actually physically getting up, walking over to the uh, streaming PC and stopping it. But here we go. I'll uh, catch you all very, very soon. My thanks to Mike, who has disappeared. And uh, I'll catch you all soon. Goodbye. <laughs>